Hello and welcome to Vibrant Lives Podcast, a podcast dedicated to your health and well-being. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a lawyer who retrained as a nutrition scientist. I'm committed to staying up to date with research in the well-being space and providing you with credible content about how to live a healthy, active and fulfilling life. In other words, a vibrant life. On Vibrant Lives Podcast, I interview experts about nutrition, physical health and mental health who explain their area of expertise and provide you with practical knowledge that you can use to improve your own well-being. I also produce my 5-Minute Food Fact series, which are short episodes where I discuss nutrition-related topics and a monthly newsletter with topical well-being news and reviews of health-related books. This is the first episode for 2023 and I have a sense of excitement about the year ahead. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce my first guest for the year, Karina Kilcoyne. Karina was a criminal defence lawyer and is now an author and spiritual teacher. Karina has worked hard over the years to heal her past traumas and these days she helps others navigate that journey. Karina guides people to rise above the stories they tell themselves and find what matters in their lives. I found this conversation both moving and uplifting, and I hope that you do too. And before we start our conversation, I'll just acknowledge that any information or advice provided in Vibrant Lives podcast is not intended to be used to treat or prevent medical conditions, and it's never, of course, a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Hi, Karina. Welcome to the first episode of Vibrant Lives podcast for 2023. So given that it's the first episode of this year, I'd like to start with some questions about your thoughts and wishes for 2023. So first of all, do you make New Year's resolutions? And if if so, would you mind sharing one or two with us? Or if you don't, um, you can tell us that too. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Thank you for having me on the show. So, no, I do not believe in New Year's resolutions. I have done that many times in the past and have felt as though they left me lacking something Mm. or feeling as though I left something behind or maybe I failed at something. So I have developed over the last few years um, an approach that feels more like growth Mm -hmm. to me. And, And so I'm always about of course, you know, personal growth and expansion of our knowledge and such. But I I try to make that in a way that feels authentic and yep. attainable to me. And one exercise I actually love and I have adopted every year is I go back in time in my life and I find a part of myself that I might feel less than about mm-hmm. or shamed about. And I try to bring that piece of me into the new year with me because I, my whole big theory is, is that we don't need to be bigger, better, shinier us. We need to be the whole us. Yep. That is a wonderful answer. I was, when I was writing that question, I did suspect that you might say something along those lines in that you didn't um, make New Year's resolutions because I think like you for me, they sort of add up to a bit of a feeling of failure. <laughs> so, right. um, And is there something that you're particularly looking forward to this year? I am looking forward to 
for myself, my own sense of growth and expansion. I'm mm-hmm. I'm getting my first book, book published in January Yay. 2024. Yeah. So I have a lot to learn in the next year and what all of that will entail and the marketing of it and the promoting mm-hmm. of it and really getting out the message. So for me personally, it is a it is going to be a tremendous year of learning wow. and doing mm. things in my business I haven't done before. Well, that's great. And we will talk about your book further on during the podcast. Is there anything you were happy to say goodbye to from 2022? Apprehension. 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 I felt as though maybe like many of your listeners, there was, you know, we had COVID and Mm. we had all of that in the past years. And then I feel like we all kind of kept thinking, oh, things will be different. Things will be better. And then one thing after another continued to happen. And it just started to feel to me like, oh, what else could possibly happen? Right. It's like, um, foreboding almost. And I, I didn't feel healthy in that space. So I did feel as though with the signing off of 2022, I was going to release that energy Mm -hmm. from me and really focus on living more in the, in the present moment and finding the joy where I can and the pleasure and the bright spots of where we are today. So definitely apprehension. Yeah, that's great. And your wish for the world for this year? I have two, actually, two wishes for the world, and they go hand in hand. But the first one is that we all practice more compassion and empathy, Mm -hmm. not only to others, but for ourselves. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot that we carry around that we don't forgive ourselves for, we don't process. And I think if we showed ourselves some compassion and empathy, we could be happier and lighter and the world could therefore benefit from that. Yeah. And my second is to free ourselves personally of the shame we carry yeah. for certain events in our life. And I think, again, that that goes along with the empathy and compassion, but learning how to free yourself of that, because it is something I feel like that that is universal and we all go yeah. through. So learning how to process that shame and let it go is, I feel, not only extremely beneficial personally, individually, but also creates a different environment for all of us in the world. Yeah, and we will certainly dive into that during this podcast episode. So thank you for those thoughtful answers. And let's talk a bit, Karina, about your background So you've had a very interesting life story and you've used your experiences, both both traumatic and positive, to inform what you do today. And I only want you, obviously, to share what you feel comfortable with. But let's go back a little bit and and discuss how your experiences led you towards the work that you do today as an author and a spiritual teacher. So when you were 12, Karina, your father went to prison And I imagine that must have been hugely confusing time for you as a young girl. At the time, did you understand what was going on? Did anyone explain what was happening to you? I had an understanding, Mm -hmm. I would say, definitely. Um, Prior to my father going to prison, we lived a portion of our life with um, being surveilled. So we had... Mm -hmm. um, in, in the United States, we have the FBI and they would right. would have different um, 
federal officer sitting outside of our house watching oh, my father and and what in and, and what he ultimately my father went to prison for was fraud and so his was definitely a a white collar financial crime mm-hmm. so they were um i understood w- with with this kind of activity going on outside our house that something was awry yeah and asking my father what was happening he actually looking back on it now it it strikes me as is kind of strange but he actually sat me down at the kitchen table with a notepad and a pencil and sketched out his business plan right. and what he had been doing and showing me why, in his opinion, it was not illegal what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had an understanding yeah. that they thought what he was doing was illegal. I did right. not have a full understanding of what that would mean for us if he went to prison but I had an understanding of of why they were there and what they were what they were alluding yeah. to and what they were accusing him of. I can't imagine what that must have been like having FBI agents outside your house. It just is so must have been so strange and invasive. But as a twelve year old, you just you've got no power over those things, so you just sort of I guess accept it in a way. I don't know. It must be very difficult. So you say that your childhood was characterized by feelings of abandonment. Clearly, your father being taken away from you contributed to that. But from a practical point of view, how did that play out for you? It played out for me because my father physically left Mm. our home, but my mother emotionally and mentally left. So my mother, up until that point, had been very unstable, Um, a lot of mood swings, uh, violent, temperamental. She and my father had a very um, emotionally, verbally, and physically abusive relationship with one another. So when he left the home physically, she really couldn't withstand what that meant for her and Mm -hmm. what position of responsibility that put her in. So she would spend days, weeks at a time in bed, unable to function, unable to get out of bed, to help, to cook, to clean, any of that. So I had three siblings, two right when my father went to prison, and then later on a, a younger, another younger brother. And in those years that my father was gone, I really took over mm. the caretaker role. Right, and and that's probably putting it mildly. I yeah. would say that I actually switched roles with my mother. And there was uh, parentification going on for sure. Yeah, and that had been going on somewhat before the age of twelve. But really, at the age of twelve, it it really, it really took over. Where yeah. I was, you know, looking for change and loose money and anything I could find to support the family and yeah. buy groceries. My father had left us a significant amount of money, but my mom did not handle that well. So before long, we were left impoverished, oh, and so, so it. I know it, 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 it was, and, and looking back on it, it was so, it was so much to handle. And in my healing process, I really had to kind of relive that because Mm. looking back on it, it almost seemed surreal, right. To, Mm. To be that young and in that position. But I mean, I would ask strangers for money and we would go without electricity or hot water at times. So there was a definite sense of when my father was there, at least a sense of 
security and mm-hmm. that maybe it was financial and things were taken care of and there was food and there were lights mm-hmm. and water. Um, and then when he left and a lot of that responsi- responsibility fell on me, yeah. it then became um, really the heart of what my um, trauma was. Yeah. As yeah. I'm sure, it, and we all have our different, right? All of our stories are, are different yeah. about our trauma, but those those kinds of significant childhood traumatic events, you know, are not for me alone. Therefore, you know, many, many, many countless people have had significant childhood trauma of of, of that nature. We will talk about trauma and, and what that means and how that can manifest. But just listening to that story it it's sad for so many reasons and one of them is that your mother it just sounds like she didn't get any of the help that you know maybe could have made things easier for her and from your point of view as a 12 year old most 12 year olds are oblivious to things like electricity bills and buying food it all kind of happens for them and you had to take on that role at such a young age and and really just sort of, in a way, it sounds like you almost had to give up your own childhood. Is that a fair comment? Absolutely a fair comment. I would say that I surrendered my childhood mm. because I understood that, I, I understood enough that if I didn't do that, that I may not survive. Mm. Wow. So, so much of it for me was um, bartering and bargaining with God, with whoever that, okay, if I do this in this way, we will survive. If I do this in this way, I'll make it. I can take care of everybody. We can stay together as this family. So yes, absolutely. That's a fair statement. And, you know, it, it feels a lot of, um, of the way in which my abandonment played out right it was yeah. it was the sacrifice of so many things but including my childhood for sure yeah yeah and that's something it's you know you can never get that back can you that that carefree childhood once you start caring for others and working and all those things you're you're just in a different place but anyway you've found a way to move your life forward which we will obviously be talking about it's one of the reasons we're here today And I want to fast forward a few years. So you became a criminal defense lawyer, which I think is amazing. So what drove that decision for you? So I caught on pretty early that I was going to have to do what I could do to escape where I was. Mm -hmm. And I I knew from experience and and different friends and and witnessing... um, witnessing different events with my friends and their family that that could be with illegal means, you know, drugs, alcohol, also getting in trouble with the law, or I could use education as a way to get out. And I had always enjoyed and excelled in school Mm -hmm. and reading and the academic part of school, not so much the social part of school. It was an escape for me. So I understood that education was going to be my way out. Then when I was 24, my mother died of cancer. And as I mentioned earlier, I had my youngest brother mm-hmm. um, by that point, and he was nine. So um, I ended up adopting him and raising him. We had wow. different fathers. And 
it was a situation where he didn't have anybody else but me. So I adopted and raised him when I was 24. And I understood that going to law school was a way that I was going to excel and yeah. be able to make a living. And I was going to be able to provide uh, a life for me and my brother that felt more stable to me than anything mm-hmm. else I had ever done. Well, that that is absolutely amazing. And what a credit to you. Uh, how How old is your brother now? He's 36. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. How long did you practice law for? Just about over 10 years. You did that because you were drawn to the academics and obviously excelled at that. And it was a it was also a very practical decision, I believe, because you needed to provide that care for yourself and your brother. So you worked in the law for 10 years. And then you switched paths to what you are doing now, which we will be talking about. And was it a gradual realization to move away from the law or was there something that happened that prompted your career change? I would say that going to law school, as I've explained to you, was something that I felt like, you're right, was a practical decision, but also it it, it provided me that stability. Mm. What I knew I always though wanted to do was I wanted to be a writer. Yep. And I didn't trust myself or my intuition or my ability enough to to believe that I could make money doing that. Mm. So I went to law school believing that I could write being a lawyer, Hmm. totally different kind of writing. (laughs) (laughs) I was a lawyer too. And I know. There's no time. Like when would you have the time? Right. And the writing that you do get to do is nowhere near, mm. you know, the creative aspect of of what I was looking to do. So, to answer your question, was it gradual or was it all of a sudden? I always knew going into it that law wasn't my true path, mm-hmm. but I did it out of reasonings we've talked about and I decided though that I would I would keep going in the law and I and I kept trying year after year and I thought you know I've worked so hard for this like why would I give this up now I've worked so hard for this yeah. but I got to this point which and you may you may feel like this too because I know you've changed careers um and so I'm sure many of your listeners have as well when you get to this point of the pain of not doing it and the angst of not doing it and all the thoughts rolling around in your head it just it becomes so much, it's just, un, it, it became for me unbearable. Mm, it mm. was like, okay, it, it's, it, it would be less pain to just find the courage to reroute and do yeah. what I want to do and give it a shot because it just hit me that I cannot, I did not want to spend my life continually doing something that did not feel on purpose and did yeah. not bring me joy day to day. Yeah, it's a very tricky one, I think. In a career like the law, which is a, you know, it's a steady, respected career and you live your life sort of according to that um, income you earn and whatever, to to step away from that is quite difficult from a practical point of view. For me, when I found out I needed some quite major surgery, my reaction was, oh, thank goodness. I can step away from the law for a while <laughs> instead of thinking, oh dear, you know, I need this operation. So it was, um, that was a real wake up moment for me. But mind you, I didn't leave immediately. It still took me years to actually do that. You've mentioned that you 
had always dreamed of becoming a writer and it was difficult to trust your intuition to do that because we all know it's a precarious living being a writer. It's it's hard work and it can be a bit of a gamble. So Karina, how did you actually manage to make the leap from the law to becoming a writer or how did you decide that you could actually do it? I had a beloved dog who died at a young age and I realized that in my grieving of this, of my beloved dog, Finn, that it had opened up in me Mm -hmm. this watershed of grief about so many things, so many past hurts that I hadn't dealt with or processed and so much trauma that hadn't been brought to the surface. And in that in that space of healing that and working through past grief, I started writing. I started journaling and I mm-hmm. started writing and I had journaled in the past and done some therapy before and 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 worked through writing to do that. But at this particular stage where I really shifted into writing full-time was mm-hmm. during this process um, of, of working through the grief that was released when my dog died. Yeah. And in doing so, I started all sorts of writing. I had started a lifestyle blog where I would write about things that just made me happy, travel and and health concepts. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of a nerd. That is my hobby. Like I like learning about healthy things and ways yep. to eat and breath work and meditation. And it it's just my hobby. So I would spend time writing articles about things that made me happy and things mm-hmm. that made me feel like people would want to know. And so I did that little by little until I got up the courage to actually sit down and write a book. I felt like with enough time and enough focus and enough perspective, I really started to sense what I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. And that for me was the biggest light bulb moment because up until that point, I said, oh, I want to be a writer. I've always wanted yeah. to be a writer. But there was this sense of me of, well, who am I to do that? I don't even know what I would write about. Mm-hmm. You know, and the best advice you ever get as a writer is write what you know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took me, it took me a long time to work through what I knew because I had stuffed my pain and my trauma yeah. and my shame for so long that it took me a while to process that. And once I was able to open those floodgates little by floodgates of grief came yeah. hard and fast, but then the the you know bringing up the different aspects of it as that started to peel away like an onion i started to find my confidence and my sense of purpose and my yeah. sense of this is i must do this i must mm-hmm. share this there's no other reason why this could have happened except that i'm meant to share this and what i've learned from it it sounds like you found that real sense of purpose through all the work you did healing your trauma. If we just rewind a little bit, you talked about journaling was something you did. What what else helped you move through your trauma? 
I started with traditional therapy, traditional talk therapy, and that was definitely helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I began to feel that it was taking it was taking longer mm-hmm. than i wanted it to take just the unraveling of it so it took me a while at first right to have the trust and the willingness to unravel it yes and then i felt as though when i finally got into that mode you know you're meeting an hour you're meeting 2 hours once a week twice a month it just felt like it wasn't moving at a at a at a pace that 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 i wanted it to move at mm-hmm. so i definitely um continued on with that, but I also added in a lot of other things that may be considered, you know, less traditional. So I did a lot of um, breath work, yeah. and I I, I practiced um, holotropic breathing, mm-hmm. and in a lot of those sessions that I had, I unearthed a lot of pain and memories that I yeah. had suppressed. So I'm a I'm a big believer in breath work and the power that it is of how your of how your emotions and your memories are energy and that can get trapped in there and cause all yeah. kinds of angst and dysregulation in your system. So um I definitely did that and um a lot of meditation. Yeah. Journaling. Yeah. Um I fell in love with yoga during that time. Wow. And mm-hmm. and it and and I know, you know, that's a lot of people say that. And when you when you have the opportunity to experience yoga as a way to open your spirit mm. to something, it it is for me. It was it 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 shook the earth under my feet. So yeah. there were so many there were so many moments, with, especially with the right with the right teacher. Yes, of you know simple poses like camel pose, heart openers to me, yeah. heart openers which just make me ball my eyes out, right? Because so much energy can be caught up in us, you know, with our posture yes. forward, and and so opening all that up and 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 shining your heart to the sky for me was massively healing, just yeah. as a release. So yeah. I did a lot of different modalities for healing, um, for sure. In addition to traditional therapy. I, I really like the way you you combined all those different methods and I hear what you're saying about yoga. I think a lot of people probably think yoga is a, a physical type of exercise, which of course it is, but it's about so much more than that, I think. It absolutely is. And it's so fascinating to think about too when, you know, when a yoga when yoga started like thousands of years ago, it wasn't even about, you know, camel pose or tree pose, right? It was about breathing and it was about, so it's just fascinating to me that evolution of that, but also just taking you back to the origin of, of our breath and how in control or out of control or in tune or out of tune, we can be with our own body and our own spirit, our own mind based on how we're breathing. Yes. And yeah. you also talk about breath work. And I think you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that it's also known or used to be known as as rebirthing. It's not just about how you physically breathe. It's like, as you say, kind of releasing all the pent up emotions. Is is that correct? Absolutely. That's how that's how I experienced it. Mm. And what I've learned about it with different teachers that I, and guides that I've been with. And it can be quite um, 
enlightening in ways that you don't even expect. And, mm-hmm. and just in one instance, I was having a, I did a holotropic breathing, um, session. And and this is always something you should do with a guide yeah. just to make sure that, you know, it's done in the proper way. But I had memories and, 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 and shared with her a story that wasn't in my lifetime, but the way in which it happened and the power of the grief that I felt was as if it were happened, had happened to me before. It wasn't anything I'd wow. ever had in my, in mm-hmm. my stack of memories. And so what comes from that experience to me has been so multi-layered and multifaceted of how deep your healing can become and how in tune you can become to yourself and why you're really here. Yeah. They're big realizations, aren't they? Why we're here. Absolutely. So you you did a lot of journaling. You started writing a blog and your you are are you in the process of writing the book or have you finished it um where are you at with your book i have well i've turned in the manuscript mm-hmm. and now i will be working on edits mm-hmm. uh, for the next couple of months with the publishing company and then um it will be published in january of 2024 well that's exciting i'm obviously you can't give too much away but can you tell us, is it a fiction, nonfiction? What what can you tell us? It is a self-help mm-hmm. nonfiction book entitled Rise Above the Story. Oh, excellent. To free yourself from past trauma and create the life you want. And really what the big theme is of, of the book is that your past doesn't define you, you yeah. do. And so in the book, I I share a lot of my stories of what happened to me and raw vulnerability. I share them. And and then I and then I also share the formula mm-hmm. of how to rise above your stories and what worked for me and rising above and healing. And I share all of that in the book and and through stories of my own and a three-part formula, which I go through in depth in the book. That sounds amazing. And where will that be available? Will that be on your website or Amazon? It will be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Mm -hmm. anywhere you find books available for purchase. Very exciting. Certainly be keeping my eye out for that and let everybody know when it's published. You've mentioned a few times people's stories or our stories, which is what we believe about ourselves, and often it comes from our past. So can you tell us a bit about how are our stories formed? How do people form stories about themselves? Where do they come from? So we all, in some form or fashion, experience trauma. And trauma is an emotional response to a significant negative event in our lives. And from that trauma, which by the way, I just have to say this, that the way we experience trauma Mm -hmm. is very unique and very individualized, right? So you, you, you think about, oh, there's like the textbook, oh, big T trauma, little T trauma, but there's so many unique factors about a person 
about how they were raised, about, you know, how they process emotion, about how mm-hmm. innately sensitive they are to the world, about that, that, that really kind of helps you understand how different people are affected by trauma. Mm. So I just want to put that out there because I think it's easy to kind of get caught up in the black and white of trauma, but I feel like trauma oh. is a really great, unique area for, for each person and the pain that you experience because of the trauma. Mm. So the stories come from, they come as a result of the trauma and the pain. So, and I, and I teach this, and this is really what helped me really process and understand my healing was that when you understand and identify the trauma and the pain of your trauma, that those are the facts of what happened, what you experienced. Mm-hmm. And the story is what you've written about yourself because of the trauma. Sure. Right. So if I let if I could just use myself as an example, I wrote my a story about myself that I was abandoned and unworthy of love because I had been abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. That was the story that I carried around. And really what I needed to understand was I had to reframe it in yes. my mind because it's really your brain that creates that story. And in a way it does it to keep you safe. It's the emotional part of your brain that writes that extrapolated limiting story about the pain that you endured. Mm-hmm. So when I broke it down for myself, it was that because my father went to prison when I was 12, I wrote a story that I was abandoned and unworthy of love, right? It's not that I I am unworthy of love. It's that I wrote a story that I was unworthy of love, Mm. right? So it's all about understanding the difference between what happened, what you experienced, and how your brain processed it and wrote a story about what happened to you. And then how you're carrying around that story and how it's affecting the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear that, but also it makes me think, I'm sure not everyone has the opportunity to examine their stories in that way, in that it might never come up for them to kind of reevaluate their life and try and break down the stories they're telling themselves. And I just wondered, Karina, in in your opinion, what can be some of the results if we don't deal with our past traumas and the stories we tell ourselves? What what can happen? The obvious things that can happen are what we see more in mainstream, right? We see PTSD, people Mm -hmm. talking about PTSD, um, which is significant and debilitating and you know needs proper treatment for sure it shows up as depression it shows up as you're living in fight or flight constantly yeah. because if you've endured recurring trauma if you endured childhood trauma as your brain was forming your fight or flight response might have gotten stuck in yeah. overdrive so you live your day-to-day life constantly feeling like the sky's falling, something bad's going to happen, something bad's already happened, the apprehension of you know doom and gloom. But the way I think it shows up for a significant number of us is so pervasive and so powerful that I think that it's worthy of talking about and kind of dissecting. So 
the way I see it playing out for me, for people that I talk to in this world, is it it shows up in shame. Mm-hmm. It shows up in 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 secretive hiding things that you've done, hiding who you were in the past because you're ashamed of things you did to survive. Um, I see that a lot. People walking through the world with a self-loathing because they're carrying around so much shame. Um, how does it show up if you carry around a story that you're unlovable? It shows up when you continually choose the wrong partner, mm. when you continually show up and you, you've you've been in how many relationships and there is no intimacy there is the continual mental or verbal abuse. Um, there is your abil- inability to bond with someone mm-hmm. because because you feel that you're not worthy of love. How does it show up if you have a story of abandonment? It shows up that you are short-tempered, that you don't trust anyone, yeah. that your significant other is 20 minutes late for dinner and you're automatically thinking, oh, they must have met somebody else. Of course, they're going to leave me. Where are they? What are they doing? They're having a drink with somebody. It's not me, right? So their mind goes crazy thinking about all of these things that are not happening likely, but they think that they are because they come from this space where their mind is operating from abandonment and limitation. If you come from a story of worthlessness, how does that show up? What does that look like? It looks like you practice poor judgment. You don't believe that you have any real sense of value in the world. So you continually settle for jobs that are less than your ability. You settle for quote unquote friends who don't treat you right. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't make decisions. You have analysis paralysis because you don't trust your own judgment. So while there are the big ways that that these stories show up in yeah. our lives and the pain of them show up and the depression and the PTSD and all of that, there's also, like I was saying, these pervasive ways yeah. that we don't live our biggest, brightest lives because we are operating from scarcity, a story that our mind wrote for us based on a trauma and a pain we haven't processed. It's really self-limiting, isn't it? Gosh, it's it's so sad <laughs> just listening to that because what makes me feel sad is there's probably a lot of people that don't have access to, you know, rising above their stories. But on the positive side, there are people like you, Karina, who are helping others do that. And one of the things you do now is exactly that. You help others rise above their story. You have on your website, it's beautiful. It's called the Rise Above the Story Acknowledgement Guide. Can you talk to us a bit about that and what it is and how it can help people? I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I completely agree with you that there are so many people out there who do not fully see where they're operating from limiting stories. Mm. They don't, they don't see that they sit in the muck in the, I'm not sure. I just feel apathy. I don't feel good. I don't feel vibrant. I don't feel joyful. So the acknowledgement guide that I offer that I wrote and I and I provide for free on the website is basically a guide to self-awareness. So the number one step that I, I realized in my own healing that I had to do and step up for was to be honest about what I was doing, what story I was telling myself, what story was I living in. 
And to me, that meant I had to become self-aware. I had to acknowledge what the trauma was. I had to acknowledge that I was in pain about it. Mm -hmm. And I had to acknowledge and be honest of the story I wrote because of my trauma. So for me, my stories were abandonment, worthlessness, and shame. And those tend to be stories that a lot of people write, but there are various, various stories. And what I want people to do and what I just long to teach people is the number one thing is acknowledging and being honest with yourself and sitting down and and, and you can download this guide. It's a PDF guide and it leads you through an exercise of how to do this and what you're acknowledging and what your limiting story may be. And it is so powerful just to have that awareness alone that it's occurring, that you're doing it, that your brain is doing something that you're like, oh, and now I'm I'm making decisions based from that. And what are my triggers, right? Oh, the triggers. Like when you understand and you've acknowledged and you're aware that you had a trauma, you had a pain and you have a story, you also start to see the triggers. Yeah right? That set you off in your story in a downward spiral of your story. So to me, that that step, that very first step of acknowledging your story and setting it out and taking time to write it out and really sit with it is the most powerful thing you can do to start your healing. I imagine that for many people, it could be quite a terrifying process having to sit down and really face up to what they've been through and perhaps sometimes use it as an excuse to behave in a certain way or not do certain things or show up in a certain way, that it's really important, I think, to trust the process that it's going to lead somewhere positive. So do you have any comments about that? Absolutely. One of the the, the also, I think one of the tremendous crucial first steps is wanting mm. your life to be different. And so when you're ready to acknowledge what happened and acknowledge that you're written a story about it, when you're ready to live differently, to put down all that fear and go forward anyway, when you are not waiting for someone else to fix you, that is when you will do your most significant healing. I spent years, years thinking falsely that somebody else would fix me. Mm -hmm. Oh, this guy, this man, this person, this relationship, they're going to swoop in. They're going to love me and I'm not going to feel abandoned anymore. I'm not going to feel unlovable anymore. Well, guess what? It doesn't work like that. That's not what happens. So when you are ready to heal yourself. And when you are ready to empower yourself with that knowledge and that trust that you have what it takes inside you to do this, Mm -hmm. then the doors of healing really start to open. And I'm not saying that you, that that you're on the journey alone. I'm not saying that I I believe in, in, in teams and help and great therapists and wonderful friends and family members who support your journey. Uh, absolutely. But if you don't have that desire in yourself to to be different and to live a big, vibrant life, 
then yes, of course, your your journey towards healing is going to start and stop, start and stop. And mine did. There's no shame in that. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's path to healing is different. And and I also ascribe to the theory that healing is never a one and done. It is never like point A to point B. (laughs) You're gonna go four steps up and two steps back and slide down the hill and trigger again. And and but what it is is this awareness of what happen, what happens in your brain and how you're reacting to people and who you want to be and who you don't want to be. And, and it becomes part of who you are. That's just yep. what it is. That was a beautiful explanation. And I really like the, um, the way you explained that it is an internal journey, but that doesn't mean you're doing it alone. Because that right. itself can be a bit terrifying. So you can have help around you, people that prompt you. But at the end of the day, it's really about, I think, changing the way the way you believe or the stories you believe about yourself, isn't it? And and really self-compassion and self-love, which we hear about so often, but it's one thing to hear about them and it's another thing to really actually practice and believe that. Karina, can you share with us some of the benefits you've seen um, either personally or from people that you've helped? It, it, it is one of the things that inspires me the most with the work I do is seeing people free themselves from shame to ultimately understand who they are is not in spite of, but because of the pain they went through. Mm-hmm. And that in every essence of that, of, of because of what they went through, they are brilliant and magnificent and strong. And and that's to your point about self-love and that that sense of unconditional bringing that that in. If that for me, that was one of the biggest, biggest benefits of of rising above my story, my stories, um, was that sense of unconditional love that I never had, right? Like I never believed I was worthy of love in general, let alone my own. So to unpack that and and have that is something to hold on to when the world is crazy and things are shaking around you, like to know that you are enough, that that you have survived countless things yeah. that that you are wise and strong and and that's what I love. I love seeing people get to that point where not only do they rise above but then they're they they're in this space of warm beautiful self-love that mm. makes everything else feel not so challenging. Mm. And then if you're in that space you're able to give more to others. And your story is absolutely testament to that. One question I have is you mentioned earlier it's 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 a work in progress. It's not, you know, point A to point B. Oh, yes, I've solved everything. I've changed my story. So how do you what are some of the techniques you use to kind of bring yourself back to make sure you're on the right path in terms of um self-love and telling yourself the the story that you want to believe about yourself and all those things. I am 
keenly in tune to my emotions. Mm -hmm. I have accepted and understand that emotions are energy. I am grateful that I have them, but I also understand that they are not meant to rule my life. And so I keep myself in a in a in a space of continual rising because I tune into my emotions. Mm-hmm. So if I start to feel fear, if I start to to feel short-tempered, if I start to feel angry, if I start to feel I take a few minutes and I go somewhere alone and I think about it. I feel it. Sometimes I even talk to the emotion. What's going on? Why are you here? Why did you show up? What are you trying to show? What are you trying to show me? And when I do that, I realize that there's it's like a like a trip, right? It's like a, oh, something is triggered, something, something old is still there. And so it doesn't. Again, it doesn't mean that, you know, healing is a one and done and you're never going to yeah. be in pain again. That's not true. And that's actually I've learned to to appreciate and respect those moments because you can actually use them as growth. Sure. Right? Continual mm. rising, continual expansion, continual emotional growth and and wisdom. So, I like to tell people for me, it works wonders is to just be aware of your emotions and how you feel in situations, who's involved, what did they say, go somewhere alone, think about, was that an old childhood memory? Does something come up for you? It's so powerful when you can do that and and not only work through the, the trigger, but the point of being so present in a moment Yes, that you witness the emotion and you can sit with it, that is... Top top level brain mm. processing right there. It's hard to get there. <laughs> Doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> no, and, and that makes me think of some great meditators talk about the space between, you know, an emotion and your reaction. You you take a breath and you don't react. If something triggers you, you don't necessarily have to react immediately. You can as you say, take a breath and center yourself before you react to anything. So it's it's another form of great self-awareness, I think, to be and able it's, to yeah. do that. Mm. So it's so true. And it's and it's trainable. Like you can yes. train your mind to do that with enough patience and enough courage to say, oh, I'm going to change the way I operate about this. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. I think I think a lot of that sort temperedness and that a lot of that fly off the handle is just, you know, a, a defense mechanism, right? Yes, to pass course. pain. So just to kind of retrain your brain it, it, around it and be and be wiser about your emotions, I think is a huge help. And one of the things you talk about is emotional freedom. That's kind of what we've been talking about, but perhaps you could explain to us what emotional freedom means and why it is important. I use that term because when I did my healing and I got to a certain point, I had never felt that kind of freedom before. Mm-hmm. And and what it and what it empowered me to believe is that no matter what situation I was in, I had the power in me to manage my way through it. 
in a way that felt authentic and it felt real and felt on purpose to me. And I also think that emotional freedom is carrying through your life without that angst and without that repressed negative energy brewing in you from a pain you haven't processed, from a trauma you haven't fully worked through, from a story you haven't dissected. And it, it so you carry with you this angst all the time about what happened, who you were in it. And as a result, you have a certain amount of shame. And the shame is truly, I feel like, what puts us in 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 an emotional box where mm-hmm. we don't we don't relate to one another and we don't have this connection with people because we're all so bottled up with oh yeah. god I don't really want them to know the real me so the sense of having emotional freedom is your own freedom of I'm not carrying around this angst anymore and I processed my pain and it's also this sense of security where I can go through the world now. And and no matter what happens, I know I have in me to handle it what I need to. And three, I'm not going to go through the world anymore full of shame. Every single one of us, everybody, I don't care who you are, rock star, movie star, Olympic athlete. I don't care. Baker down the street. We've all had something that was traumatic to us, some amount of pain, some amount of story we wrote about it, and then something that we put negative on it. And what I'm here to tell everyone is that you are not alone. And when you can learn to free yourself of that shame, you will experience an emotional freedom unlike you have ever experienced before. Yeah. That's so helpful to hear because I think that this might sound a bit silly, but people might even have shame about their shame in that, mm. as you said, everyone has some form of trauma and trauma can be different or it is different and the way people react to it is different. So one thing that I that's occurring to me during our conversation is that it's very important not to judge your trauma, to think, oh, my trauma is not as traumatic as her trauma, you know, like it it's everyone experiences it in their own way and regardless of what it is it's important to still work through your own personal trauma or shame and when you hopefully do the work and have some wonderful resources like your rise above the story acknowledgement guide and things like that and you get to the point of emotional freedom the other thing that really stood out to me when you were talking about that was it also allows you to face the world in a really open way and to not prejudge things that are happening and to just accept the world as it is, which means you're more open to joy. Absolutely. And, you know, to my point um, and, and your point, how we started this conversation and you said to me, what was I looking forward to getting, letting go of in 2022? And I said, apprehension. Mm-hmm. That was a great example of how even after all the work I've done and everything I teach, I got caught up in the, oh, what's going on in the world? What's mm-hmm. happening? Right? Like this sense of doom and gloom and like, what's going on? And, and that 
was for me, like the last month of last year was like, I'd feel it. And I go, Oh, Oh yeah. Where's coming from? And I just like dissect it. And it, and it was because the last time I had felt like that was when I was 12. Right. Wow. And mm. every day brought on a new, a new problem, a new, new thing to solve, a new thing to try to just survive it and, and, and be resilient. And, and so I feel like there is so much out there still for personal growth for all of us and this yeah. sense of learning about what what sends us back into our past pain and our past trauma. And I feel like just witnessing yourself, almost like um, you've probably witnessed or had this happen in meditation or so you sit there right as the witness and you kind of step outside your experience yes. and you look at yourself and you look at what's happening. And I think that's so beautiful and so powerful to do that to your point about showing ourselves compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. That would be a beautiful exercise in that, you know, to kind of sit there and look at what like as a as a witness and watch what 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 the person did, watch yourself in trauma, in the pain and how you handled it. That's, I think that's such a powerful way to find compassion and empathy for yourself, trauma. There's so much that we've talked about today. Thank, Thank you so much for sharing everything with us and your story and the wonderful work that you're doing. And um, your Rise Above the Story Acknowledgement Guide that people can find on your website, and I will put a link to that. I just wanted to end with a couple of questions. So, Karina, who or what inspires you? I think the people that I see, know about, read about, that do exactly this work and have found their healing and rose above their story and really found their authentic self Mm-hmm. and have created the life they want. I find that incredibly inspiring. And I also find I've had a couple moments in nature that just absolutely bring me to my knees yeah. with a, it just how could something be this beautiful and magnificent? And, and in moments like that, I felt so inspired to continue healing because I realized that there is so much beauty and so much of the world to see that I wasn't seeing while I was, you Mm -hmm. know, in my emotional box of pain. So, so it's really definitely that opened up your own world in, in Mm -hmm. numerous positive ways, which is so lovely to hear. And the final question I like to ask is if you could recommend two things that people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Any two things. Get better sleep. Mm-hmm. I I've found that that has been such a game changer for me and something I never did well going through my pain. So I'm a big proponent of good quality sleep. I would guess I would say um, do more yoga. Yeah, I feel like yoga is such a beautiful, well, it's such a great way. It, it's just a healthy experience, obviously. But to me, it's also offered me so, so much spiritual and mental health help that mm-hmm. I feel like it is something that that is really a gift to the world. And, and, you know, it's something that's been around for thousands of years, you know, 
Unlike, I don't know, some of these trendy workout things that disappear yeah. two years. Yeah. Like yoga will always be there. So get good quality sleep and do more yoga. Do more yoga. <laughs> so if people want to have a look at your website and see what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? It's www.riseabovethestory.com. And on it, you will find the acknowledgement guide. Mm-hmm. And there's also in the top right corner, on the menu bar, there's also a link for a quiz, which oh, is funny great. or not funny, but is also helpful if anyone needs um, a little bit of an idea of exactly maybe what story is it that I need mm-hmm. to rise above. So it's also oh. quite informative. And on your website, you also have blog posts and um, video posts as well. Is that correct? Yes. So there's Excellent. quite a few videos and quite a few blog posts that will definitely die into a lot of what we've talked about today. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've so enjoyed speaking with you and I think you're amazing and so inspirational to to be able to share with us your own story and help so many others. So thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Amanda. You as well. Thank you so much for listening today. That was Karina Kilcoyne author and spiritual teacher who guides people to let go of past traumas by examining how those traumas have contributed to how we see ourselves and how we create stories about ourselves that might be holding us back from experiencing joy or reaching our potential. I think that was an apt episode to start 2023, apt because The start of the new year is often a good time to review our lives and work on breaking down blockages or negative energy so we can look forward with hope and joy. And that is certainly what I wish for all of you. If you did enjoy that episode, please do share the podcast with your friends and tell them about it because word of mouth is still the best way for people to find out about Vibrant Lives podcast. Please follow me on Instagram at vibrant underscore lives underscore podcast or on Facebook at Vibrant Lives Podcast. I don't post on social media all that often, so I promise I won't be clogging up your streams with all sorts of spammy stuff. You can also check out my website at vibrantlivespodcast.com. There you'll find a library of all my previous podcast episodes and reviews of health-related books that I recommend. If you'd like to contact me and I'd love to hear from you, you can either DM me or you can email me via the contacts page on my website and let me know if there's something you'd like to learn about, someone you'd like me to interview or if you simply want to say hi. And again, thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well, live vibrantly.